do have an announcement to make as your as your greeting for the harbor kids. Kids, there is no harbor today. Um, this morning, usually we have the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders go upstairs for a lesson. Um, we're not having one today just due to the situation and the holiday and all that. If you would like parents or kids to go into the kids' room, that's fine. If not, um, your fourth, fifth, and sixth graders can stay here. We're talking about sex, so it's not a problem at, a, at all on, on that. Uh, we really are. Hey, Mark, Mark made mention of just kind of the situation. You, you turn on the news, and, and in fact, programming was just simply suspended to talk about what's going on up north in Santa Rosa and that whole Fairfield and, and uh, Napa. And gosh, you know, how do you, how do you work through that in your head, you know, as they show just a, a panorama view of neighbor, I mean, neighborhoods, not just a house here and there, but just, they're, they're just gone. And, you know, hearing the stories of the people that have lost, have lost so, so much of uh, their home and their cars and, you know, every piece of, of worldly belonging they have is just gone up in smoke. And, you know, what do you do? And of course, you know, of course you help, you know, we have a, a helping hands team and portion of what you'll be giving this morning is going to go to that and they have the information there um, of the churches up there uh, contact with the church in Santa Rosa um, and they are heavily involved in that they said please don't donate any more stuff we can't have any more stuff here um, right now but the time to give is 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 now if you like um, obviously there's great organizations and and all that and you can give to us and, and we'll pass it along if you designate that on your check um, we can we can do that. Also, ongoing stuff. Um, I'm sure you have friends that, that lived up there, and if you could uh, continue to just meet their needs, love ongoing needs and things like that. Where's God in, in, in times like this? God is still the great I am. He's still on the throne. And we live in a broken, messed up world. You know, and things like what's happening and the devastation that goes on up there happens around all the time. It's just because it's so broken. It's such a broken thing, and um, there is hope that these kinds of things not only will draw us closer to God, but they will help us in our lives as we would grow, and so we, we hold on to that, and it gives us a great opportunity to reach out to other people as well, and so don't think God's forgotten Santa Rosa. He hasn't, um, not, a, not a bit. He's just as alive and working, and one of our roles and one of our, our call is not just simply to give, but also to pray, um, to pray for those that are just struggling through it, that they would boy, begin to grow and understand, you know, life isn't about their stuff even, you know, it's about their life. It's about God, about who he is. And so I'm going to invite you to take a second and pray with me right now and, and lift up. And, and if you just right now, Father, we are coming to you and um, as a, a family of people that live in the Bay Area and, and there's other people, God, that maybe we know that are going through just the challenge of rebuilding and restoring. If you know people that have lost something right now, just quietly in your heart, would you just pray for them by name? Pray for the outreach efforts up there, the first responders, safety for them, would you please? God, it's kind of hard sometimes to know exactly why these things do happen, but here's where our faith and our trust comes in. That it looks like it, the world meant it for bad, but you can turn it around for good. And 
We trust that you would be doing that, working in the hearts of people to comfort them. God, strengthen them, help them in this time. And um, thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do through this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for that. You know, we are, we are believe it or not, here, you know, we think of transitions, you know, and we are, believe it or not, we're going to talk about sex, you know, and how do you transition from holding a lighthearted message on sex from, you know, talking about the devastation and all that. Well, I'm going to try, okay? So we'll see how well we can, we can do here. Mariners, I, I, I really want us to get how relevant God is, um, how real God is in life, in everyday life, in what we experience, what we go through, whether it's what you're, what, what you're feeling and your health and, and, and your attitude towards people, God God deals with that, and, and God is involved in your love life, and God's involved in your sex life, and God's involved in all those kinds of things, because he wants to be part of that. And we've been in a series we've been calling What Women and Men Want. It's on a relationship series, and we're going to finish it up by talking about intimacy, that part of the relationships that, that, that's there. Now, don't be surprised that we're going to talk about sex at church. I just think what better place to hear about it? You know, what better place is there to hear about it than, than right here? Many of us, our introduction to, to the whole topic was TV, you know, or Internet or, or that fourth grade science class, you know, you had to take, or maybe it was a sixth grade locker room. But, but, but in reality, is God created it. I mean, God made it. He invented it. And God gets it. He, he gets the whole thing. And, 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 and as we go through the next few minutes this morning, you'll see that. And the Bible talks a lot about it. It really does. Red Book Magazine, a number of years ago, did a national survey, and they discovered that the greater the intensity of a woman's spiritual convictions, okay, the more a woman was spiritual, the more likely she is to be highly satisfied with intimacy in marriage. Follow that? Okay, the more spiritual she is, the more she's to be satisfied with intimacy in marriage. And they came to the conclusion the most sexually fulfilled women are the most spiritual women, okay? Now, going to Mariners helps you grow spiritually, Right? So you could say, go ahead, go ahead, Melissa, hit the next one. Going to Mariners is great for your sex life. There you go. That's good. It's just good. So guys, bring your wives. Okay, all the time. Just bring, just bring your wives. Now, what does God say about sex? He says, he says the Bible says a lot. You just got to know where to look, okay? And I know, I know, I know where, 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 where to look. You don't have to go far into the Bible until you come upon the topic of sex. It shows up in the, in the second chapter in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. It says, then God made a woman and brought her to the man. That's it, Adam exclaimed. And the man and his wife were both naked, and, but neither was embarrassed or ashamed. Adam's first response to the, to the woman without clothes, you know, was this is it. You know, this is it. Hebrew, that can be translated as wow. You know, wow. Oh, my gosh. You know, look, look, look at that. Now, why did God make sex? I mean, why in the world is this whole thing called, called sex? First reason, um, and there, there are three. The first reason is to provide enjoyment, okay, to, to provide enjoyment. That's kind of the duh one in this whole deal. Proverbs says this, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Now, now to keep this message rated PG, I can't go into the whole thing. Because actually there's euphemisms in the Bible, in Song of Solomon, and in Proverbs that we just simply can't talk about here in polite society. But you get the idea, okay? You get idea where it's going. 
God is an expert in both anatomy and biology and psychology. God, God understands it. He understands how we're boxed and how we're wired and how we're put together and the whole physical component of this one. You could, you could just basically say God knew what he was doing when he put it all together. Okay. Second reason is to produce kids you know, to make babies, you know, and all that. And Genesis says, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. We have done a really good job with that, okay? Just go two blocks down that way, and you'll see how good of a job that we have done with replenishing the earth. There's 200,000 people pile in to, to our, our little town here. And the third reason and, and, and is to promote intimacy, Five times the Bible says this. It says the two shall be one flesh. And there's a whole concept of, of, of intimate connection here. God invented sex to promote unity between a husband and wife. You call it intimacy, closeness. It is sharing the deepest part of yourself with another. Complete surrender and openness to another person. And, and so sex really is a physical expression of a spiritual truth. To become one, to become one. And, and the sad thing for, for a lot of people, the only benefit of sex is, is the second one, and that's kids. You know, it just made kids. You have children to show for it, but there's no enjoyment, and there's no unity, and, and there's no pleasure. In fact, it may be a big source of strife, you know, a big argument thing. And it's this conflict that comes around. It, and instead of it unifying couples, it oftentimes, what? Pushes them apart. It moves them apart from each other. The Bible says this. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. It is written in Scripture, and here it is again, the two become one. There's a lot more to it than just body-to-body contact. It's not as much about biology as it is about relationship. And sex must deal in the area of relationship. So, so big question, how can sex become better? You know, that's what we want to talk about, you know, how can sex become better? And, and, and here we go. If you want to take notes, fine. If you, if you want to just listen, that's great too. Number one, develop a healthy attitude about sex. And this is really pretty important because, you know, the most important sexual organ is your brain, okay? It's what's on, going on between your ears. And it's really how you think it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, how you think about it. Most problems that couple have in this area um, is because of wrong attitudes or wrong thoughts. I mean, that's where the problem stems from. And, and if your beliefs determine your behavior, then we have to kind of shift our beliefs around on, on this. If you have unhealthy or unrealistic attitudes about sex, it's going to mess you up. It's just going to mess you up, and that's true about anything. Now, it's very easy to pick up unhealthy attitudes, really easy. Why? Everywhere. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. Thank you very much, Hugh Hefner, for setting this whole thing in, in a tailspin, you know, because those kinds of things and those kinds of images and those kinds of attitudes kind of mess everything up. So how do I develop healthy attitudes about sex? We have to go back to, again, the one who understands the biology and the psychology and the anatomy of humanity, the one who made it put it in place, and that's God. And we have to accept what God says in his word. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. That truth will set you free. Here are the way to have three healthy attitudes about sex, okay? Start from here. Number one, sex is a gift from God, okay? It's a gift. 
It is a gift from God. Everything that God created, the Bible says, is good. Nothing is to be rejected. All is to be received with a prayer of thanks. Circle everything because it's part of who God made you to be. Sex is not sinful. Something that churches teach that sex is dirty or a necessary evil, you know, and maybe you grew up with that kind of a thing. The Bible says God created it, and when God created, is always good. What's bad about sex? Nothing. Nothing's bad about sex. What's bad is the misuse of sex outside of what God intended. But sex is holy and good in God's plan. It's, it's okay. Number two, lovemaking in, in marriage is, is sacred. Lovemaking in marriage is a sacred, sacred thing. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman um, were in a film together, and, and the film called for a lovemaking scene, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Well, at the time, they were married. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. And so as, as, they, as they were filming it, the film crew was incredibly uncomfortable filming the scene because as Cruise and Kidman were, be, were married in this, they felt like they were witnessing something almost sacred and holy. They had no problem with two people that weren't married to each other filming a, a lovemaking scene. But when a husband and wife did it, they felt really, really awkward with it because there was something special about it. Bible says honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between husband and wife. It's like God God says it's like a sacred activity. It has profound spiritual implications. And and that's why the Bible says it's reserved for marriage only. We'll get into that in, in in a little bit. Because we're a whole lot more than a bunch of biology. You know, there's there's a lot more to you than your anatomy. Sex is more than body to body. It's the heart of one touching the heart of another. The very deepest part of one connecting with the very deepest part of someone else. And, and, and you know, they think that they have it all figured out with the erogenous zones and all the physical. But the emotional things go way deeper. And so you put those two together. God wants husbands and wives to enjoy sex. You know, the Bible teaches that sex within marriage pleases God. It, it does. It's not like God is up there looking down saying, oh, no, they're doing it again. You, you know, that's not how God responds to that. He doesn't tolerate it. He doesn't look the other way. He, he, he designed it. He delights in it. And as I mentioned before, the Bible is way more specific and explicit about sex. I could even talk about it here on Sunday morning. I can't. I can't take everything out of Song of Solomon and everything out of Proverbs that it talks about. A little bit of it says, again, be happy, yes, rejoice in your wife. Let her tender embrace satisfy you. Let her love alone fill you with delight. And that word delight is one of the strongest verbs in the Hebrew language. And it means intoxicate. Let her love intoxicate you. You're completely absorbed in it. And if we can develop healthy attitudes, many of the problems can fall by the, by the wayside. The second thing is, and again, this is how the only way really true healthy sex can, can be established, and that is when we learn commitment. Genesis 2, the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Now, again, naked doesn't just mean, you know, naked, you know, no clothes on. It means complete openness complete transparency. And there can only be complete unity when there is what? Openness and what? 
Transparency. That's the only way. They were able to talk and to relate to each other deeply. They were completely open and accepting of each other. And therefore, there was a unity of heart and there was a unity of, of body and a unity of persons. Sex is the uniting of persons, not just bodies. And, 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 and we're not always told that. People need to relate. Most couples figure out the mechanics of sex, but they don't learn how to relate deeply, so a lot of it's missing. Remember the concept, friends with benefits? Remember that one? In fact, the film was on yesterday. Friends with benefits. You know what they found out? It doesn't work. Because you can't just simply be friends with benefits. There's more to it than that, and there has to be. The Bible says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And all of a sudden you have God who's who's declaring this and pronouncing this. You have this whole sense of commitment of leaving one and being united to another. And then they become one flesh. See, a lot of times we kind of flip it upside down or, or spin it around and put it backwards. We try and become one flesh before we leave and before we cleave. And the order is reversed and it and it becomes odd and weird. And this is the big problem of premarital sex. And I'm, again, we're not prudes here. You know, we're, I'm not a prude and all this kind of stuff. But what happens is people become bedmates before they become soulmates or they become the closeness and unity that, that is needed in order for sexual fulfillment to be there. Couples get together and date and then they start going to bed together and there's an appearance that sex cements the relationship. It doesn't. It doesn't. What cements the relationship is commitment. That's what cements a relationship. Commitment to the other person as a, as a person forever. So picture a couple, because this does happen um, often. They come to my office, and they want to get married. You know, and I'm really happy for them all the time. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to put barricades and, and hurdles and obstacles in their way, and, and they got my name from the phone book or, or the internet, and, and they heard we have an upbeat with it church, and, and so I'll ask them, because if I don't know them, you know, I'll ask them, I'll talk to them, and I'll say, okay, you know, it's really cool, you guys want to get married, how'd you meet, and they'll tell me, you know, what's your first date, and they'll tell me, and they're all happy and all that, and I, and I, and I said, well, well, why do you want me to do your wedding, you know, why do you want a church wedding, you know, why not just go find someone, you know, at the courthouse and do it that way. And they will say it's because we want God to be in our marriage. And I will say, Matt, that's really good. I appreciate that, and that's really cool. You want God's blessing on your marriage, and you want your marriage to succeed. That is really awesome. I'll say, yeah, we really, we really want this to be a God thing. And I'll say, well, well, marriage is about commitments to do it God's way. And they'll say, we want to do it God's way. You know, and I'll say, this is, and this is really good. Um, and, and, and then I'll say, here's my commitment to you. My commitment to you is, is I will give everything I've got to make sure that you guys get off on the right foot. You know, I will be open with you and honest. You can ask me questions about my life, about my marriage, and my relationship, and, and I will talk to you about what God's Word says, and we'll meet together, and I'll, I'll give everything. And I'll be there for you guys the whole time, even after your marriage if it gets rocky. You know, I will give you marital counseling, you know, for free, you know, and because I know what it's worth, you know, I'll give it to you for free. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that one. And I said, and because you want to do it God's way, I said, let's, let's, let's start out the right way. So I need your commitments to God. One is you need to be spiritually compatible. You need both need to be believers in Christ. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. You know, it just doesn't work. You all kind of goofy. 
And then the second thing is, is you need to grow together um, to understand some of the principles behind what marriage is and what God's word says. And I said, you have to find a church home because that's what the Bible says. Because we're doing this God's way. You know, I don't care what church you go to, just find one and become part of it. And the third is, is you can't sleep together because you want to do it God's way. And God's way says, no, don't, don't. And they followed me up until that last commitment. And then they look at me, it's like, what planet did you come from, you know? What rock did you crawl out of? You know, where have you been for the past 200 years, you know? And, and I have to say, if you want God's blessing on your marriage, then do the right thing now. Do it now. Do it God's way now. And then they'll say, well, we're, we're doing this because we have to make sure that we're sexually compatible. And I want to say, really? <laughs> you know, sexually compatible? You know, you're a man, she's a woman, there you go. You know, it's like it's there, all right? You know, sexually compatible, you know, what are we, what are we talking about here, you know? You want to say everyone's sexually compatible, and guess what? In the ups and downs of marriage, no one's sexually compatible. That's part of the whole deal. You know, everyone is and everyone isn't, depending upon a whole slew of factors. So don't just say we're going to see if we're sexually compatible, because things change and life changes and you'll change and it's all different. So just wait. One couple, they had been living together, and they wanted to get married, you know, in six months. They said, our marriage is in six months, and so we kind of went through the commitments and all that, and I told them, you know, this is what God's word says, you know, regarding, you know, living together, sleeping together, let's not do it. And it was, it was so great, because she gave the perfect bam, you know, she said, I told you he'd get us on this, you know. <laughs> and, 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 um, and the reason she did it was because, and, and this is, this is my view, viewpoint on this, and again, it's, it's, it's mine um, here, is uh, I will hold the guy responsible um, in regards to this as far as um, the sexual initiation prior to marriage. I will say, guys, you're the lead. You take the lead on that. You take the lead and no. Because if you're always pushing, 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 it puts your fiancé or your girlfriend in an incredibly awkward position, a horribly awkward position. She wants you to take the lead. She wants you to take the lead in abstinence to respect her enough to say, I'm going to do what God's word says no matter what I'm feeling right now. And for every woman I've talked to, she says, yes, that's what we want. That's what we would want. That is exactly what I would want for him to take the lead and to initiate or not initiate or to say, we are going to wait because this is what God would want. Anyway, this couple, they said, well, what are we going to do? I mean, we live together. We, we share a house. We pay rent together. You know, we've been doing this for, for a long time. So what in the world are we going to do? And I said, you guys figure it out. I don't know. You know, I don't have the answers to that one. Don't. He moved back home and lived with his mom. You know, he lived with his mom. Um, they couldn't hold <laughs> They couldn't hold out for six months. So we did the wedding two months later. Okay, we just did. I mean, it's a great story. As I said, I just said, we're done. We're getting married in two weeks. Can you do it? So, I'm here. And, 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 I, and I said to them, as we were talking about this, I said, you know, if you don't do it this way, what's your honeymoon about? There's nothing. You know, there's nothing to it. There's nothing there. It's crazy. Don't, don't do that. A great... A great couple, by the way. God bless them and their their marriage. 
uh, in, in immense ways because they said at that time, no matter what it costs, no matter what it means, no matter what we have to abstain from, no matter where I got to move back home with mommy, you know, no matter what, we want to do it God's way and we want to start our marriage out right. God has blessed them in Christ. I mean, huge. And I, and I love this couple and they're great. And they got kids. And their kids are now getting married and all that. So um, that's great. Last one, finally, commit to what's best for the other, for the other. Sex is not about you. And you can write that down. Sex is not about me, all right? Sex is not about me. It involves two people, and that means you have to make an incredible amount of adjustments. Have you discovered that men and women are different? You know, we've talked about this. If you haven't been here, we've said that men's brains are kind of put together like boxes, you know, and the boxes don't touch, you know, and women's brains are more like wires, and all the wires have to touch, and they all connect and all this kind of stuff. And, and we've said, you know, when man is in a sex box, he, that sounds weird. Man is in the, the box. There he's thinking about sex. He's in it. He's in this box. I mean, this is all he's, he's thinking about. You know, he's not thinking about the yard that he can get, get mowed, or he's not thinking about the car that he's repairing, whereas a woman is more like wires, and she's thinking about all those kinds of things. This is just the difference between the two, generally speaking, okay, generally speaking, on, on that. And because of the differences, there's going to be adjustments. There has to be adjustments. Differences mean indifference. There's always complementary situations. You can complement each other by your differences. 1 Corinthians 7. This is what the Bible says on this one. The marriage bed must be a place of determining what's best for you both. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Look at that. This is what God's plan is in regards to sex. This is what it's saying. Look, you're, 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 you're seeking to satisfy your wife. That's your point, guys. That's the whole purpose of this thing. It's not getting what you want out of this whole deal. And wife seeking to satisfy her husband. That's what it's about, women. That's what it's about. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. And God's people would say, wow, <laughs> wow, on that one. Holy cow, look at that. I mean, and you think, if this were the attitude that, that my husband had or my wife had, amazing, amazing. And if this is the attitude that I would have, I know things would change around. When you married your partner, you gave him the right to your body. You just gave him that right because that's what marriage is all about. You give up the rights to yourself. My rights are now turned over to somebody else. The Bible says very clearly you're to use your body to meet the sexual needs of your, of your husband or wife. And in, in our world, it's again, what can I get and how soon can I get it? What can I get? How soon can I get it? What can I get? How soon can I get it? The Bible says what can I give and how quickly and how deeply can I meet your needs? That's what Scripture says. That's God's plan and God's way. And all of a sudden you're saying, wow, this stuff is beginning to kind of solidify and make sense. The Bible says, what can I give and how can I meet your needs? So the old, oh, tonight, honey, I have a headache, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't be, be used. Have you heard about the, the joke about that one? Nighttime, all of a sudden the wife, she's going to bed and she sees two aspirin and a glass of water by the bed. And she said, what's that for? And I husband said, oh, that's for your headache. And she says, well, I don't have a headache. And he said, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> the old I have a headache shouldn't be used, wives. 
Why? Because your body doesn't belong to you. But husbands, if she has a headache, or if she's tired, or had a long day, or she's not in the mood, what are you doing demanding sex and wanting sex? What are you doing? Do you understand? It's a place of mutual giving, saying, how can I outgive the other person? It's not I'm going to do my 50% part and they'll do their 50% part and, and there's not give and take in this. It's give and completely give and completely give and completely give in all ways, in all parts of marriage because the physical is only going to be a fulfilling expression of the self-giving and the self-giving and the self-giving that you've done all day long and all week long and all month long. And the unity that's there is only fully expressed now in the marriage bed. And that's how it works. Sadly, many couples fall into a trap of hurting and manipulating each other and withholding. The, the Bible's really clear. It says, don't cheat each other of normal sexual relations unless you both decide to temporarily abstain to make a special time for prayer. There you go. I can hear it now. The most popular excuse on the coast side is not going to be, not tonight, honey, I have a headache. Not, but not tonight, honey. I'm praying. <laughs> you know, sex is not a weapon or a reward. It's not that. God designed it. Sex is not just two bodies together. It's two people. It's two people. It's two people in this thing. And the right atmosphere is not just soft lights and perfume. It's a commitment to the other, and a commitment to be all God called you to be and develop into the person He called you to be. And this is a part of God in this whole thing and the part of your need for your commitment. And I, I don't want any of you to struggle in your marriage. If your sex life is out of whack, boy, consider, reconsider, look at yourself. And there's always help, and there's always hope as you commit your life to him, always. I mean, there's always help in this because God is always there. And some of you may be single, and you struggle right now, just the whole concept of this and you're dating, and maybe your sex life is not what God wants, and you know it, and boy, now's the time to say, okay, let's just readjust and do it God's way. And you're saying, well, I've already screwed up so badly, you know, who is this God that could even love me for what I've done? Well, there's always hope and forgiveness and newness and freshness in God when you say right now, today, I'm going to do it God's way. And I'd love to have you commit to God's plan and, and view of sex, and, and for some of you, I also want you to commit maybe your life to figuring out this God and, and who he is and what he's done and why he loves so much and why he forgives. And so we leave a few moments at the end of each message for your commitments. And yours might be to sexual integrity right now or just in your married life doing it the way God would want or to be self-giving or to even to check out this God. Some of you are just checking it out. First time here, welcome. Check out this guide. It just gets better as you get to know him. Why don't we, however God is leading us, go to take a second and pray. Would you pray with me, please? God, I thank you for uh, not only your being an incredible, great I am, the self-existent one creating earth and the universe and everything that exists and walks and moves and breathes, you create us. God, you're not afraid or embarrassed by intimacy, not a bit. 
made it and you made it good and we thank you for it. And I know a lot of couples are struggling with the whole concept of this and I pray that you bless them as they put into practice what you and your word have said to us. Father, those that are struggling, just going through the whole single thing in a sex-charged world, endurance, give them, fill their hearts with your love, Lord. Father, those that feel they need forgiveness, help them understand Jesus died for every sin, every sin done. And there's a newness each morning, and that newness includes forgiveness. They're forgiven right now. If they place their trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, their Savior. And Lord, now help us, and we're going to be going out from here and meet a lot of people, and give us opportunities to not just do good, but also to share about your love to people. And thank you. Thank you for a great day we have ahead of us. Bring us back again next week, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Hey, um, um, we can we can kill the pads for a second. We're gonna. I'm gonna actually. I was going to lead us in a song, but that would be really bad. It is this gentleman's birthday today, right here, just to say. Yeah. He has turned, he's turning 39, by the way. So, And also, at the Pumpkin, he won't tell you this, at the Pumpkin Festival, he and his band, Bluegrass Band, the West Coast Ramblers, um, will be playing at the Bank of America stage. At 11 o'clock, that's in 30 minutes, 40 minutes. So he's going to be going there from 11 to 12, and then at 12.30, again, they're going to be playing. So make sure you go and yell and make a lot of noise there. And we're going to sing Happy Birthday, and then he's going to lead us into a final worship song. So, Betty, you lead us, because I'd clear the place out if I did. So let's go. Okay. Happy birthday.